when my oldest son uh, went to a jackal school for the first time, he had gone for about the first uh, sixth grade to a giraffe school that I had helped create. But then he went the next year to a jackal school for the first time. So when he came home from school the first day, I said, uh, school, Rick. He said, okay, Dad, but just some of those teachers. I said, what happened? He said, I wasn't in the door more than one, one minute. I just walked in the front door, and some man teacher comes running over to me and says, my, my, look at the little girl. Can any of you guess what the teacher was reacting to? Yeah, my son had long hair at the time, before he saw many men wearing long hair. So I was thinking some rather jackalish thoughts to myself at that moment about a teacher who would greet a child, you know, a brand new child in a school that way, and then use the word girl as though it's an insult. So I was kind of boiling on the inside, and I said, how did you handle it? He said, I did your thing, Dad. I just heard him with giraffe ears. <laughs> I said, you remembered to do it under those conditions. I feel wonderful about that. What did you hear? Well, it wasn't hard. I just heard that he was feeling irritated and wanted me to get a shorter haircut. <laughs> I said, how did that leave you feeling? He said, Dad, I felt sad for the man. He was bald and se seemed to have a thing about hair. <laughs> So am I saying anything that's helping you with this nine-year-old? Is there anything more I could uh, clarify about giraffe as parenting? I think it's uh, a very good start uh, to, uh, to have this picture. And uh, a few days before I came here, I heard about uh, what you were talking about. And I tried immediately with my son. And um, he was very fascinated. And sometimes I just say, now look at me, look deep in my eyes, and imagine you are a giraffe and I am. And that he's really smelting. I've tried this uh, just one week ago. Now you've just made my day. <laughs> I like very much that people hear about it from somebody else, and then they go and try it, and uh, I really do like to hear how giraffe gets around. So I'm very pleased that you have friends that are giraffe because for me, the hardest application of giraffe for me is in my role as a parent. I notice I started off the night telling you this story where I was able to put on giraffe years, where I was in, you know, 170 people near screaming murderer. For me, that's an easy situation, much easier than when I'm talking to my children. Why? Because I have all kinds of jackal training as relates to my role as the parent. Like, I'm the parent. I know what's best. One time I even said to my oldest son, I think I know better than you do. I have a PhD. <laughs> he said, what does that stand for? FUD? <laughs> so uh, it's very hard for me to do this as a parent. Now, I'd like to, therefore, to suggest to you the number one thing that I recommend to parents who really want to live this way with their children, be sure that you are getting a lot of empathy yourself. Because unless I have somebody that I can turn to, a giraffe, daily and say, I get so frustrated when right in the middle of, I'm in the store and he keeps saying he has to have this and 
I didn't want to take the time to sit down and have this discussion with him. And then he kept getting more and more jackal-like. And then, and then I come home and I told my husband how frustrated I was. And then he said, you shouldn't let it bother you. And then I wanted to kill him. And then <laughs> it's so hard for me to get everybody in the family to talk this way and to listen this way. So now I have a giraffe teammate, close giraffe, to give me the giraffe listening that I need. The more I have that quality of listening, then the more I can apply this with my family. Any comments or questions more about giraffe parenting? You know, we had a uh, session in, uh, where was that, San Diego, California, about three years ago, uh, where we have children and coming with uh, their parents to an evening workshop like this. And a young man came up to me after the uh, workshop and he said, this is wonderful. You ought to get this to all the teachers in the world. Uh, so I thanked this nine-year-old gentleman for his vote of confidence. And I said, but that's a lot of work for me to do all by myself. I'll need your help. He says, what can I do? I'm just a kid. And then I suggested some things he could do. Well, the next night we open to the public like this one tonight. And who comes but his teacher and the headmistress at his school. <laughs> because one of the things we said that he could do is go and tell them that he got a lot out of it and he would really like them to do. Now, I'm very pleased to announce that if you go to that school now, the master's school in uh, San Diego, you will see it de has declared itself a giraffe school. <laughs> all of the parents, all of the teachers, all of the students have studied giraffe together. Uh, and there are several other schools like that in uh, the United States and now some other countries uh, where we show the schools how to set up the school on a giraffe basis so that the giraffe, the school functions in harmony uh, with it. I've written a book about that called uh, Mutual Education and uh, it's published only in Swedish. Some of you can probably handle that. So if any of you are interested afterwards, I'll give you the title in Yes. I'm a teacher, and I think it's so difficult in class situations, situations uh, when a lot of children are, for example, going around and some are beating each other. How to be angry in Europe? Yes. Well, let me reassure you, teacher, that, that to be giraffe does not mean you must be calm and patient. Mm -hmm and that you can't be angry. You need to know how to scream in giraffe. Uh, <clears throat> I was asked to come into a teacher's classroom in Buellton, California. I had been there six months before working with the teachers. And the teacher who really was the best giraffe teacher we had, for a reward, they kept sending all of the difficult children to communicate with into her classroom. So she requested when I came back to do a follow-up with the staff that I spent half a day in her classroom and she asked me if I would conduct the classroom and she wanted to see what she was doing wrong. Well, I aged 40 years in that one, uh, that one half of the day. It was really rough work. So at the noontime we were eating and she said, Marshall, I really want to thank you for coming into that class today. I can't tell you what a valuable learning experience that was for me. I said, what was valuable about it? She 
said, you don't know how good it was watching you suffer. <laughs> you see, the transition from a jackal system to a giraffe system, that transition is a very difficult one because in a jackal system, they control people through punishment and reward. Now, when people have had that kind of control by the adults, they don't know internal control. So it, this transition period, it can really age the giraffe parent or the giraffe teacher. So it is one that, especially where the person needs a lot of emotional support from other people. And very often, unfortunately, the teachers tell me instead of getting that support, they get jackaled by the administration. You see, you come in and the class isn't in order in the way they have defined it. So, um, in a, uh, pick a situation, and I'll see if I can show you more concretely how this can be applied. So, two children are fighting. Okay, now, uh, in one school, they wanted me to, the school that had the most fighting in this uh, school district, they wanted me to demonstrate how to deal with children who were fighting in a giraffe way. And they had the educational television people come to the school that day with their cameras, and the teachers were notified that if there was a fight that day, they were to bring the two fighters down to me in the courtyard, and then we would make a videotape of me solving it. And that morning, I remember that the, the, the school administrators worrying about all the trouble they had gone through to get the television people there. They said, what if there isn't a fight today? Well, no problem. About one time I looked up, they were lined up about eight deep waiting for me to do it. So now how do we deal with this? So here's two people fighting. Pretend like this is a jackal. He starts, you know, give me that ball. No, you're hitting each other. Now, of course, you got to first of all stop it using whatever force is at your disposal. Maybe I have to hold them by their ears. Now, what do I do? I put on my giraffe ears, and even if they're speaking jackal, I translate it into giraffe. He's always butting into everybody's game and thinks he's better than everybody else. That's a lie. I do not. Excuse me, Jackal, too. Excuse me. So you feel very frustrated when he grabs the ball without asking, and you would like him to ask first. Yeah. See what I did? I just put giraffe ears on, translated the Jackal language into what his feelings and needs were. Now. Jackal 2, could you tell me what you heard him say? He's lying, you see, I, I don't, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Could you tell me what he said? He's always making up stories. Could you just tell me what he said? Say it again. I heard him say that he gets frustrated when you grab the ball without asking because he would really like you to ask before you grab it. Yes, but he never gives it. Excuse me, excuse me. Can you tell me back what you heard him say? Uh, incidentally, this same process that I'm demonstrating, I use it each year in my work. Sometimes these are two groups that I'm dealing with, not two individuals. Recently, I was with a group of immigrants on one side and a group of landowners on another. that had had progressive acts of violence between the two groups in their community. About a month after that, I was with a police department and some citizens who were accusing the police department of racist characteristics. I'm also doing some work between Palestinians and Israelis, between some Croatians. Marshal, please, will you talk a bit slowly? Thank you. 
between some Croatians and some Serbians. The process is exactly the same that you're seeing me demonstrate between the two children. People often do not have a language that helps the other person to see what's going on in their heart. So you loan it to them as the mediator in this case. You hear the feelings and needs, and then you get the other side to say it back. Not going to be easy, because very few people are trained to listen. This is a world where everybody wants to talk and nobody wants to listen. But we're now also teaching the children, you see, another way of resolving differences. Now, the big problem, of course, is that what is the rest of the class doing while I'm taking the time to help these people communicate in this way? Well, one thing that they're doing, they're learning a new way of resolving conflict. And this will probably take less time because once the, we have these two people really hearing each other and resolving it, understanding each other's feelings and needs, they're not as likely to have repeated conflicts in the future. Now, of course, as the teacher, this does take a lot of my time. Wouldn't it be great if they didn't need me in this role? So that's why I want to spend time with these students every day learning how they can use giraffe to resolve their own conflicts without my having to be involved. A teacher that I worked with has written a book called The Giraffe Classroom. It has a lot of activities for teaching students in the elementary schools how to use giraffe themselves. And this can be woven in to part of the, the school program. This song came out of uh, some work I was doing in public schools teaching giraffe to children. I would work with them during the day. And then after school, I would work with the teachers teaching them giraffe. Uh, can you guess who learned it easier? as with most languages, I guess. And I would usually start the day by asking the children, what do you wonder about? I ask that because in jackal schools, they usually start with the assumption that the people who are the teachers know what is to be learned. And they don't allow much for wonder and active participation on the part of the students. So I like to start learning with wonder wonder what's worth learning. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. So when I ask children this question, what do you wonder about, I would usually get wild and wonderful answers. So Ruth Bebermeyer, who was working with me at the time, she would write down these answers that the children gave to this little game. And she told her sister about it, and the sister taught first graders, and she went and tried it with her classroom. What do you wonder about? And she came back to supper that night very excited about how the children responded. And she said, I particularly liked what this one boy said. He said, I wonder why my puppy won't eat green jello with grapefruit in it. <laughs> so Ruth uh, remembered these that she had been writing down, and so she wrote this song that night. Most of these came, these answers came directly from the children. And, of course, this song is called, I Wonder. I wonder why my dog won't eat green jello. I like the wiggly way it melts inside. I wonder when a turtle pulls its head in. Is it so dark it's scared to be inside? 
I wonder if a rock likes being hard. I wonder if the sky likes being blue. I wonder if butterflies like butter. I wonder if you like being you. I wonder why I don't feel myself stretching when people say I'm growing every day. I wonder why I always have to listen to more words than I ever get to say. I wonder if the grass cries when it's cut. I wonder if the rain hurts when it falls. I wonder if the earth gets dizzy turning. I wonder if little worms feel small. I wonder why I see so many people do things they don't really want to do. I wonder if the music goes away somewhere after I sing my song to you. I wonder if it feels sad to be old. I wonder if the moon likes company. I wonder why it's fun to feel a little scared. I wonder if you wonder like me. Thank you. Where have you been tonight, honey? Now, are you a jackal or a giraffe? <laughs> Doesn't know yet. Because asking a question like that at the beginning of a communication is a good way to look like a jackal to the other person. If you really wanted to look even more jackless, you would have asked a why question. Questions usually have a very intimidating effect on other people. Why? Because behind a relatively simple question like you just asked, there's often a lot of feeling. And unexpressed feeling, like hurt, or sadness, or frustration, almost always get heard by another person as aggression, even when they're asking a very nice tone of voice. So, were there feelings behind that question, Giraffe? Fear. Fear, ah, that's the kind of thing that if we have fear, then we really need to bring it out on the table, because <coughs> it'll be less likely to be heard as aggressive. So you're feeling frightened because of what? What need of yours is behind the fear? What is happening here? So you're, is that your answer? You're the giraffe, right? And you're feeling frightened. No. The giraffe has had a nice evening and uh, is open and uh, wants to tell about tonight. Aha, uh -huh. so the giraffe just wants some connection with the other person. So let's see how it might sound. So I'm uh, very eager for us to have some sharing this evening. And I, I'd really like to know uh, how your evening went. All right. How's that? How do you like that response from the jackal? Could you tell me more? Well, what do you want to know? <laughs> What have you been doing? Oh, just usual stuff. <laughs> Let's get the giraffe in here to help you out a bit. Jackal, uh, I'm somewhat disappointed about 
the kind of discussions that we have. I, I, I just would like to know more what goes on inside of you at times. And I, I don't know how to get it from you in a way that feels safe and comfortable for you. So, like right now, I, I opened up a lot to tell you what I just did. and I'd like to know how do you feel when I say this. I feel that, now we already know it's not going to be a feeling. So as soon as the jackal puts the word that after the word feel, he knows the jackal is up in his head. Oh, I feel that, uh, you got a right to ask? <laughs> yeah, and see, jackal, like right now, is, what, is what's happening, is what happens to me periodically in our, in our relationship. Uh, I ask for a feeling, and... And I don't know how you feel. I told you, I feel you have a right to ask whatever you want. But from that, I, I hear that you, what you think, that you think it's okay that I ask. But I, I don't know how you feel, Jack. Like, how do you feel when I tell you that I, I would like there to be a different level of intimacy when we communicate? How do you feel when I say that? <clears throat> I don't have any feelings about it. I sensed just there from the tone of your voice that you were angry. I'd like to know if that's so. No, I wouldn't say I was angry. Well, at least I know what you're not feeling. But what are you feeling now? I feel that you're pressuring me. Then you're feeling irritated. Well, that's what I said, isn't it? Well, I'd like to point out that you, you gave me a diagnosis of me. You said that you thought I was pressuring you. And I wasn't getting from you what I was really hoping to get from you. How are you feeling, Jack? Why is it so important to talk about feelings all the time? Well, like right now, I can show you. Like when you just asked that question. I don't know whether you're hurt, scared, angry, confused behind that question. You seem to have a lot of feelings. But when I sense that you have the feelings and you don't say them, No. So, how do you feel right now when I tell you this? Well, it's not how my family communicates. You're annoyed with me for asking? No, but Rome wasn't built in a day. <coughs> so you're feeling worried that you may not be able to do this as rapidly as I would like? Yeah, you could say that. I'm worried. Jackal, just hearing this, just this much connection with you is what I've been longing for, that we be able to connect with each other's feelings. I can be quite patient if, if I knew that you really wanted to work at it, but I still don't know how you feel about this idea of bringing feelings into our conversation more. I think it's a good idea. You're, you're glad that I brought this up? Well, that's what I said, isn't it? If, if you followed me around in my work, no matter which country it is, you'd see that I have the following conversation sooner or later. It's usually a woman comes up to me at the end of a workshop, and she'll start something like this. Marshall, I wouldn't want you to get the wrong idea. 
I have a very wonderful husband. What's the next word? <laughs> but I never know what he's feeling. I never know what he's feeling. And this presents a real limitation to the quality of interaction, the quality of intimacy that people can experience when they don't have access to feeling. But coming out of the cultural background that I did, it's very easy for me to understand how men don't get much opportunity to express their feelings. In the culture I grew up in, uh, our cultural heroes were not good giraffe speakers. I don't know about your cultural heroes, but did John Wayne ever get around to these parts? You know, you know what I'm talking about, John Wayne? Well, John did not have a good feeling vocabulary. He, he had a very good diagnostic system, very simple and easy to use. He'd swing open the tavern doors, and there could be six pistols trained on him. I never recall him saying he was scared. Now, how did John communicate? He'd label people. He had a, two labels. They were either good guys, in which case you buy them a drink, or bad guys, you kill them. You see, with that way of thinking, you don't have to worry about nuances like how to express emotions. Good guys, buy them a drink. Bad guys, kill them. I grew up believing what was expected of me was to prove how strong and violent I could be. But now John Wayne is no longer my hero and I'm going to allow gentleness to show. I've been afraid to admit it when I've been lonely or sad. I thought feelings were weakness and I thought weakness was bad. But now John Wayne is no longer my hero and I'm going to allow gentleness to show. So I don't know, is this the kind of situation that you had in mind, or have I got, that is close to it. That's what I was afraid of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah such uh, jackals are wide breeding jackals. You know, uh, one of our best <clears throat> selling songs in the United States in the country and western field is by Reba McIntyre. It's called uh, The Greatest Man I Never Knew. <laughs> and it's about her father. And in my work, if you'd see how many people have had fathers that they wanted the closer connection with. But I've also worked with the fathers, and I know what hell it is to be locked into that form of communication. Because they have the feeling, 
but they haven't had the cultural experience or training to get in touch with them. And that's a very lonely experience to be inside there and not to have access to be able to do that. So that's why we need a courageous giraffe to be able to make the request to begin with in a giraffe way and then not to hear attacks when the person says, quit badgering me. This is not how real people communicate. Now, we just hear the feelings in that because we know that this person will probably want it when they understand what it's all about. A man who showed a lot of courage invited his father to a three-day business workshop that I did in uh, Zurich, Switzerland. And uh, at the third day, this son uh, said, Marshall, would you mind if I did some work with my father in front of the group? Well, I'd had lunch one day with his father, and I didn't think his father would be too comfortable with that. So I said, well, let me talk to him about it. So I said to the father, your son has said he'd like to do some communication in giraffe with you up in front of the group. Would you be willing to do that? It didn't look happy to him when I said that. He seemed very nervous about this. So we talked for a few moments, and I said, how about this? How about if I play your role, and you just have to sit there and coach me? He agreed to that. So now we're up in front of the group. The father is sitting here. I'm here playing the father's role, and then there's the son. And boy, for a public workshop of the kind that this was, this son took a big risk because he opened up and said, Dad... My whole life, I have really wanted a closer connection with you, and I'm, I'm afraid that we're never going to develop it. And I want that more than anything in the world, and it's frustrating that I don't know how to bring it about. And like, it's really scary for me to have said that just now, I'd like you to tell me how you feel. And so I respond as the father and say, Well, David, when you... When I see how much you want this, I feel very touched and very moved because I want the same thing. But I am scared to death because I don't know how to do it. And I'm also afraid that I'm not going to be able to do it well enough and you'll get impatient and give up on me. And how do you feel when I say that? And now the son gets tears in his eyes and said, Dad, just this much is what I've wanted my whole life. We had a couple more very powerful interchanges, and I turned to the father, and I said, How am I doing in your role? Good. Real good. Oh. So then the audience started to speak up, and uh, they, they admired the young man for taking the risk to bring his father and to open up that way. He really admired the courage that he showed. I admire it, too. But the son, unfortunately, couldn't hear it because there was so much noise in the room. So I waited for it to calm down. I said, David, did you hear what your father said just now? Did you say something, Dad? What was it? I said, I heard him say, I admire you for doing it, too. Did you say that, Dad? And then the two got up and embraced. And I've never seen a more beautiful sight than the mother's face who was sitting in the front row, because she also came. She had wanted that, she said, more than anything in the world for 40 years, to see the two of them be able to connect in that way. But it does take some courage to open up and let the jackal know that, that we would like this, because, you know, it's very easy for the jackal to hear a criticism, even though we're not expressing it. 
Jacko, you know, I'm, I'm really sad because I would like there to be a different quality in our communication. And I'd like to know how do you feel when I say that. You've got a lot of nerve criticizing me and saying I don't know how to communicate. Well, I'm sad if it came across that way, Jackal, because I was really not trying to say anything about you. I was trying to just communicate about my feelings and needs. I'd like to try again. I'm really feeling disappointed because I would like there to be a different quality of connection. Could you tell me what you heard this time? Now you're telling me that I disappointed you. Well, I'm grateful for you taking this time to understand me, Jackal. I really don't want you to hear that you are the cause of my feeling. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you and say, you disappoint me, or you have to do something about it. But I would dislike a connection for you to hear my feelings and needs. <coughs> I'm feeling frustrated because I would like there to be a different quality of connection between us. Could you tell me that back, please? You feel disappointed? Yeah. Because... Now you can see smoke coming out of the jackal's ears, you see. This is not easy to shift and not hear any criticism and not, not hear a guilt trip, but just to keep your attention on the other person. You're disappointed because you would like there to be a different quality connection between us. I'm grateful to you for hearing that, jackal. I'd like you to tell me now if you still hear criticism in that. No, no, not that time. I'd like now to know how you feel when I say that, Jackal. It's difficult. See, Jackals love statements that start with it or that, you see. Notice how little you give of yourself when you say it's difficult or that's difficult. But the giraffe knows the Jackal's trying, so the giraffe's going to loan the giraffe ears and hear the feelings even when they're not expressed. No, it's difficult. So are you worried that you won't be able to do it yeah and, and that you'll get you'll get impatient with me so you're worried and you need some reassurance that that i don't have like a time limit of when i want it that's right yeah well i'm really glad i can go at, at any pace that's comfortable jackal it's just important to me to have heard that you really want this too yep Yes. In the situation, the jackal said, I'm just not clever enough to, to put words on my feelings. I'm just not clever enough to put words on my feelings. So, Jackal, are you feeling discouraged uh, because you would like some help from me in knowing how to do it? No, I don't know if that's it, but notice as a giraffe, I just try to hear the possible feelings and needs behind any message. So you're saying that you're not a trained giraffe yet? Yes, or saying <clears throat> I'm not, I'm, I don't believe enough in myself to, to be able to learn something new or whatever. It's, it's like this uh, wolf inside yourself telling yourself you're the stupid one. Ah, so you, oh, I'm glad you bring that out because we haven't talked yet about how to speak giraffe with our inner jackal. And in fact, they're probably the most uh, severe jackals we will ever have to deal with. First of all, they're so f much faster than these other jackals. See, these inner jackals, 
they speak and with the speed of light and they have been in there so long that oftentimes we're not even aware that we are jackling ourselves why love to have certain feelings giraffes love to have feelings like depression and guilt now why does a giraffe like to have those feelings because those feelings tell us jackals have infested our thinking that we are jackling ourselves we are telling ourselves that there's something wrong with us and whenever we're doing that as a giraffe we want to tame those inner jackals now how do we tame an inner jackal the same way that we tame an external jackal so what have we been doing tonight we have been seeing that no matter what message comes at you from another person no matter how jackalish it sounds it's simply an expression of feeling and unmet needs so we put giraffe ears on and we hear the feeling and the unmet need we do the same thing with our internal jackal once we have identified them we see what we're telling ourselves we learn to translate that internal ju judgment into what are the feelings and needs that are being expressed through this self-judgment and then you know what we find the same thing we find with external jackals that there are no jackals jackals are simply giraffes with a language problem as I said earlier this evening likewise these internal messages that keep eating out our soul and our morale if we really hear the life energy being expressed behind that message we find out that it's a very loving message we don't feel bad about ourselves at all let me show you how that works I was doing some work in a workshop like this one evening on a relationship with a woman and her husband and another woman who was watching she just went like this and I could tell from the look on her face she was having a serious case of internal jackal <laughs> and I said to her what, what did you mind sharing what's going on in you oh she says I see now why I had the divorce that I did I was been blaming the husband but now I see it was really my fault well, see, now we know that she is beset with jackals because she has that word fault in her consciousness. You see. When we think in a jackal way, there always has to be fault, blame. You see. So I said, I'd really like to show you how to translate your inner jackal into giraffe. She says, I'd like to too. I just feel terrible feeling so bad about either angry at him or guilty about my role in it. So when you say it was all your fault you should have known better how to communicate what is the feeling and need behind that well I should have behaved differently now that's a should that's still an internal jackal what is that jackal that internal jackal saying when it says you should have behaved differently well I'm sad yeah because because I should have nope stop not should have what would you have liked I really would have liked to have known then what I'm learning today and how do you feel when you say that different yeah because now you're in touch with the life energy behind your message you're really hearing what you feel and need you're sad you would have liked to have known this then but notice how different that is than thinking there's something wrong with you 
that you should have known better. Notice that when we're in touch with our feelings and needs, that motivates us to do something about the need. But when all that goes on in our head is should have and what's wrong with you, that doesn't help us learn from the situation. That doesn't mobilize us to change. We just can keep beating ourselves up for years until we tame those inner jackals, which always means to get connected to the life energy behind them. Who's got another jackal for us to tame this evening? Then let me show you another part of giraffe. Let me show you how to say and hear thank you in giraffe. If you have these ears on, I predict that on about your second or third day that you have these ears on, it'll occur to you what all of a sudden hit me one day. That human beings are only saying at any time one of two things. That's all human beings are. Can you guess what these two things are that human beings are saying? Please and thank you. That's all I'm convinced that human beings are ever communicating. Now, certainly jackal-speaking people say please in a funny way. Like here is a jackal-speaking person saying please. The problem with you is, what a tragic way of saying please that when somebody's behaving in a way that is not in harmony with your needs, Instead of having a language that helps to clearly communicate what's going on inside in a way that stimulates compassion, cooperation, how tragic to be taught to say please in the form of judgment and criticism. Because unless the person that you're saying it to has these ears, they don't hear the please. They don't hear the pain. They don't hear the unmet needs. They hear it as an attack and then attack back, and we all know where that goes. So tonight we have been focusing largely on this message, how to say please in giraffe, because I started this off saying I ask you to think of a jackal who was behaving in a way that you weren't happy with. But now let's look at the other message, how to say and hear thank you in giraffe. First, let's see how a jackal says thank you. You did a very good job. You are a very kind person. Can you see why that's jackal? Why is that jackal? Well, it's a judgment, exactly. Positive judgment, praise, compliment are just as much jackal as criticism. But it works. What do you mean it works, Jackal? Well, I'm a Jackal manager. I just returned from some management training. They taught us that if you give a praise and compliments to employees every day, they work harder. Yes, Jackal, I'm aware of that research, and it's accurate. They do, for a while, until they sense the manipulation in it. And then, notice, Jackal, that even ruins a message as beautiful as thank you. When people need to start worrying, is this being said to get something from me? 
So that's how jackals give appreciation in terms of judgment. But notice that whenever we use a positive judgment, we bring into our consciousness the negative. The two always go together. If you think there's such a thing as a kind person, then you think there's such a thing as an unkind person. If you think there's such a thing as a normal person, then you think there's such a thing as an abnormal person. So you fill your consciousness with judgment. And for every judgment like that that we carry in our consciousness, life is hell. Because it, it involves judging and being judged. But as giraffes, I hope by now I have convinced you, that all judgments are simply tragic expressions of need, value. We can be more honest by saying, I would like than by saying to the other person, you're wrong, that's inappropriate. So, how does a giraffe say thank you? First of all, the giraffe only says thank you when the motives are to celebrate. There's no attempt to get something back from the other person. Now, what do we do to say the appreciation in giraffe? <clears throat> we say three things. We want to make three things very clear to the other person. these three things. Almost the same as the thank you, but it's a little different because now what we are observing is something that the person has done that is making life more wonderful for us. Whereas when we say please, what we are telling the person is something they're doing that is detracting from our enjoyment of life. So we start with a clear observation and now we express a feeling, but now it's going to be a pleasurable feeling. Whereas when we say please, we're expressing painful kinds of feelings. And third, now we're going to tell what need of ours has been fulfilled by the other person's action. Whereas when we say please, we say what need of ours has not been fulfilled. Let me give you an example of what this sounds like. I was in Geneva, Switzerland, and at the end of a workshop, a woman comes up to me and she says, you're brilliant. I said, it doesn't help. She says, what do you mean? I said, I have been called a lot of names in my life. I've never learned by being told what I am. I'm guessing you want to give me an appreciation. She said, yeah, and I'd like to receive it. But there, I'm not getting the information that I need to really enjoy your thank you. Well, what do you want me to tell you? Well, rather than you telling me what I am, could you tell me what I've done? that's made life more wonderful for you. Well, you're so intelligent. Doesn't help. Doesn't help. That's still an analysis. I really need to know, what did I do? Now, that was not easy for this woman to do, because she was a jackal-speaking person. But she thanked me afterwards for pushing her on this, because she better appreciated her own appreciation when she really did get clear what it was that she was appreciating. It turned out that it was two things I had said. She had written them down in a notebook. She had underlined them and starred, put a star by it. So already, just being real clear about what I had done, that she would observe, already I got more out of the appreciation than the vague judgment, you're brilliant or you're so intelligent. Now I said to the woman, now that I see what behavior on my part you're reacting to, I'd like to know, how do you feel? about my having said that. 
She said, I feel so relieved and hopeful. Oh, yeah, I hear feelings in those two words. Now I knew what she was feeling. And third, I said, and what need of yours was fulfilled by my having said that? She said, I have this 18-year-old son that I've never been able to communicate with. And I have just been desperately searching for any kind of direction that would help me connect with him. And those two things you said gave me the direction I've been needing. Well, now I could feel wonderful about her appreciation. Because I could see the three things that I need to see, that I think anybody needs to see, to really benefit by an appreciation to clearly see what we have done that has enriched another person's life, to get some consciousness of what feelings are going on in that person as a result of it, to see clearly what needs have been fulfilled through our actions. Now, of course, it's easy to be a lazy giraffe. How does a lazy giraffe say thank you? Thank you. <laughs> of course. In the course of a day's time, uh, we may choose as a giraffe to be a lazy giraffe much of the time, to just say thank you for this or that. But giraffes want to be have the ability for those things which really have touched us as people, that we really feel deeply about, that other people often don't really understand how much they have given to us. Then is when we might want to express the appreciation in this more classical giraffe way. Now, how does a giraffe and a jackal receive appreciation? Here again, we see some radical differences. Watch how a jackal receives appreciation. Jackal, I was very, I'm very grateful that you offered me the ride last night. I was really wanting to get home quickly because I wasn't feeling very well. Ah, it's nothing. See, jackals always have to deny that there's anything of value within them. So they can't stand to hear appreciation. If you really want to make a, a jackal squirm, show it some love or appreciation. Why would a jackal get so nervous being shown appreciation? Incidentally, my favorite jackal of all, they, they almost all communicate the same way, like in French, uh, de rien, or in Spanish, nada. My favorite is Swedish, ash. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they all say the same message. Ah, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know why? Because jackals have an idea in their head which is at the base of much of their misery. Jackals believe that you deserve things. See, you either deserve to be rewarded or you deserve to be punished. So if you say that you've appreciated something they've done, they wonder whether they deserved it. You see how tragic to spend time thinking about whether you deserve it or not. Now, where that concept of deserve really gets devastating is when we start to believe that we're smart enough to know who deserves to be punished for what they've done. But the opposite is also painful, to believe you deserve to be rewarded. See, that's because jackals don't have a concept of giving and receiving. In the jackal mind, everything has to be bought and sold. That means you have to decide what's worth what. So right away, they get something appreciative said to them, and they wonder, did I deserve that? Or, now what do I have to do to earn that? Or what's this person trying to get from me? 
how sad to live in such a world where you just can't enjoy the appreciation. By contrast, a giraffe knows you receive the appreciation the same as you receive any message, with empathy. You just hear these three things. You just hear what you've done, how the other person feels, how their needs have been fulfilled. You don't necessarily have to say anything, but you show in your eyes that you took it in and were nurtured by the appreciation. So anybody have any questions about how to say or hear thank you in giraffe? Would somebody like to practice expressing giraffe to somebody in your family or somebody in your workplace that has done something and you haven't expressed an appreciation to them yet? What? I didn't see. Yes, thank you. Let's pretend like I'm the giraffe. Um, Tell this giraffe, first of all, what the giraffe did that you want to appreciate. Uh, it's um, mostly to my child. Uh, when I want to um, um, tell my child uh, you have done something, you have done a uh, fine drawing or something. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad, Mom, that you want to do that in another way because I can enjoy your appreciation far more if you evaluate my performance in giraffe rather than jackal because you sure don't want me to, to think, I hope, Mom, that, that any authority knows what's right. I hope you're scared of that, Mom. Teaching a child that authority knows what's a good line or what right answers are. So I'm glad that you want to evaluate me in a way that will help me respect authority, but not give my power away to them. So yes, judgment. Can you be concrete? Did you, was it the colors? Was it the composition that you were reacting to? Was it, just what was it about the drawing that you observed that was in harmony with your values? I think more the act. Just that I did? Yes. Uh, just that is what we want to get clear, Mom. So just the fact that I initiated and did this drawing for you, that's what you want to appreciate, Mom. So how did you feel when I initiated this drawing? Uh, well, I was glad that you had a good time. So you were glad because you wanted me to enjoy myself? Yes. And anything else about that you, what, what, why you felt glad about it? You weren't touched because you wanted me to be thinking of you and to... What I'm saying, Mom, is that was it just that you were glad that you wanted me to enjoy myself, or did you also appreciate the fact that I wanted to do this for you? But what I want to say is, I, I don't think it's good enough for me to say to my child, uh, well, it, uh, it's a fine drawing. But see, we wouldn't say a fine drawing to anybody, no, but, because but as a giraffe, it. we don't think there is such but, a thing. But I do it all the time, <coughs> and I, I know it's not good enough, but I don't know what to say, because it's not a big child, and I don't want to um, talk a lot about it. I just want to... I'm really glad. Let me show you some possibilities, and then you tell me if any of these come close. Yes. I'm really feeling glad that you did this drawing, because I really wanted you to be able to participate with the others when they draw. 
because maybe this is somebody that hasn't been doing anything and he's just been sitting there. So it might, I might be feeling relieved and glad just because I wanted his participation. Then I would say that. Or if I liked the drawing, I might say something like this. I really enjoyed all of these colors and how you put them together. That really kind of met a need that I have for a lot of liveliness in a drawing. I would say that only if I meant it. Saying it was a good drawing. I'm telling the person what needs of mine were fulfilled by the drawing. That leaves the child open for the reality that another person can look at the same drawing and not like it at all. Because they can have different needs. Then that helps the child to decide for herself or himself what's their own value. So I let them benefit from my expertise, but I only express my appreciation in terms of my feelings and needs, not using words that imply I know what's fine, what's good, and so forth. Like when I work with teachers at the university, it's very hard for me to get teachers to hear the difference between I like what you did. You know what they'll hear? I like what you just did. Can you tell me what you heard? I got it right. Hold it, Jackal. I didn't say that. Well, what did you say? I said, I like it. No, I got it right. No, 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 no. I said, I like it. Oh, you like it? Yeah, and I hope you can hear a difference between that. Very hard, you see, after 14 years to get people to hear you as a human being when they have been trained to give authority the power to define what's right and what you have to do. But I'm very motivated to do that because I'm aware of the consequences of teaching people to give that authority, to give that power to authority. Such people, when they give all their power to authority and become obedient to authority, that's when I think we have the kind of violence in the world, not created by people who know how to be in touch with their own values, but people who've been trained from birth on to believe that somebody with a title knows what's right. And they don't use, learn to use their own valuing system to help them decide for themselves what will serve life the best. So what else can I say about giraffe in the time remaining? Yes? I feel a bit confused because each time you say I'm disappointed, I hear, I hear it with Japanese. Yeah, yeah. So we would have to do some practice with, like I do with my students so that you could just hear I'm disappointed because I would have liked to have had more color in it. Can you tell me what you heard? But it was a poor drawing. Now let's try again, Jackal. I just want you to hear my feelings and needs. I feel disappointed. I would have liked to have had more color. I'm sorry. I didn't want to disappoint you. Hold it, Jackal. I didn't say you disappointed me. You can't disappoint me, Jackal. You can't hurt me or disappoint me or make me angry. What? No, no, no. I'm responsible for my own feelings, Jackal. I would like you to hear them. I don't want you to take responsibility for it. So I'm disappointed. I would have liked more color. So you're disappointed? Yeah. Because I did a bad job. <laughs> Not quite, Jackal. What are my needs? You would have liked more color. Thank you, Jackal. That's just what I need, is just for you to hear that. So that means I, sh I, I have to change the drawing. I would hope you don't hear my needs as a demand, Jackal. I hope you just hear it as my value, 
Now I'd like to know what do you feel? What do you need? You know, I went to school for 21 years. I can't recall any teacher ever asking me those two questions. What do you feel? What do you need? It wasn't necessary to get a doctor's degree in psychology to know what I was feeling or what I was needing. I remember for the first time when I went to and presented giraffe to a group of my colleagues to suggest that I was so disappointed with the way I was taught to think as a professional and how now I was trying to bring my own feelings and needs into my counseling, not analyzing what's wrong with the other person, but to try to express my feelings and needs. And I was explaining how much more my, the people coming to see me seemed to benefit by that. So one woman psychiatrist got very upset and she said, Dr. Rosenberg, don't you see what you're doing? You're allowing your narcissism to interfere with your ability as a psychotherapist. A gentleman rises in my defense and says to her, don't you see what you're doing? You're projecting your narcissism onto this man. Those are the healers in a jackal society. Scary? So how do we get good at giraffe? Let me suggest three things that seem to be necessary for the people that I've worked with to help them keep improving on their ability as a giraffe. The first thing for me is real consciousness daily about our own values. That is, how do we want to live? Unless we are highly conscious of that, unless we answer that question for ourselves, then we're likely to get easily swept along in whatever game the culture around us is playing. So each day, for myself, it's very important for me to start each day raising my consciousness about how do I want to live? How do I want to manifest that in my moment-by-moment -moment encounters? with other people. So the more time people take each day to begin with a consciousness of how they want to be, I find that that's probably the single most thing in helping them become better giraffe speakers. Second, after consciousness about our values. Second, practice, practice, practice. And this means, again, learning when we're not able to do it. When we're not able to speak giraffe, we catch ourselves turning into a jackal, make a note of it, and when we have some peace and quiet later on in the day, use it as an exercise to ask ourselves, now what was this other person feeling and needing that I wasn't able to hear at the time? How could I have expressed my own feelings and needs in a more open, vulnerable way than I did? In this way, every error that we make becomes a learning opportunity. And the third thing that helps immensely in becoming a better giraffe speak speaker is to be a member in a giraffe community. And by that I mean a group of people who share the same values and who also want to learn how to communicate in a way that makes it possible for us to manifest these values. In areas where I go where I see people forming such supportive communities, it's amazing how well they teach each other giraffe. Also, we need to work on nonverbal messages. Silence probably freaks out more baby giraffes than anything else. Jackals use silence as a very vicious message when they know that other people uh, project all kinds of things onto the silence. 
So we need to learn how to put on giraffe ears when, when other people are silent. One time I was in a very professional setting working with some managers in a department in a large corporation where feelings aren't usually expressed. And I can't remember what I got so emotional about, but I got very emotional. I even started to cry. And then I looked up and I saw the most horrible jackal message I could ever imagine. The boss of this organization gave me this nonverbal message. And for about four or five seconds, I just suffered immensely because I put on these ears. And because of that nonverbal message, you know what I started to think for a few moments? Uh-oh, what's wrong with me for crying? See, I went from his message, nonverbal message, immediately to what's wrong with me. My, my terrible feelings told me what I had on there, and I quick shifted, and I put on my giraffe ears, and I looked at him and said, are you feeling disgusted because you'd like somebody more in control of his feelings to be running this meeting? Now, if he had said yes, what's wrong with that? It doesn't say anything about me. That's just telling me about his feelings and his values. But he didn't say yes. He said, no, no. I was just thinking how my wife wishes I could cry. And then to my total surprise, he starts to open up and he confides in the group that he was in the middle of a divorce process at that moment. And he says, my wife says it's like living with stone to be around me. So what he was feeling was sadness. Sadness because he really wanted to have more access to his feelings. But if I hadn't put on these ears, I could have left that situation thinking there was something wrong with me. <laughs> My wife still can't believe I wear those things in public. <laughs> Notice when we speak giraffe and we have those silly looking things on. Moment by moment, our consciousness is on the green area there, the green representing life. With giraffe ears and a giraffe tongue, we're only focusing our attention on life, the quality of life in us, the quality of life in others. We're only focused on what can be done to make life richer for one another. Why would human beings ever want to have the focus of their attention in any other place than on life and opportunities to enrich life? Reach out to life like leaves to sun like plants to rain, like birds to grain, reach out to life. So many times, in so many ways, we're afraid to give, afraid to live, so many times. Now let's celebrate the joys of life. Each little breath from birth to death. Let's celebrate. Reach out to life like leaves to sun, like plants to rain, like birds to grain out to life.
feel so sentenced by your words I feel so judged and sent away Before I go I'd like to know Is that what you meant to say Before I rise to my defense Before I speak in hurt or fear Before I build that wall of words Tell me, did I really hear? Words are windows or they're walls They sentence us or set us free At the time that this song was written, I didn't know how to receive that I could matter a lot to a person without starting to get nervous about it. This song helped a lot. It's a song called When I Come Gently. When I come gently to you, I want you to see. Not to get myself from you, it's just to give you me. I know that you can't give me me. Matter what you do, and all I ever want from you is you. I know your fear of fences, your pain from prisons past. I'm not the first to sense it, and likely not the last. The hawk within your heart's not bound to earth by fence of mine unless you aren't aware that you can fly when I come gently to you I want you to know I come not to trespass your space I want to touch and grow when your space and my space meet Each is not less but more We make our space that wasn't space before When I come gently to you I want you to see It's not to get myself from you give you me I know that you can't give me me no matter what you do all I ever want from you